Hi, everybody. This Hello. is Richard and John. We are the founding lore fathers, and tonight we are talking about who put Bella in the witch house. And uh, I think uh, before we get started with that, there is there is something that I, I wanted to bring up and talk about. So I started watching a new Netflix documentary. I only got a few minutes into it. It is a true crime one. And uh, uh, the boyfriend tells a story about his girlfriend getting kidnapped. It's pretty, like, it's it's very unbelievable situation. But the cop starts talking to him. And the, the kid just tells him everything. And then the cops, uh, the cops very clear. We don't think you're a suspect. We want to know what happened. And then after the kid gets on talking, he, the cop flips the script. He's like, nah, dude, I think you did this. How about you just tell me why you did it? I know you did this. I knew you did this. Just a friendly reminder. Don't ever talk to the cops about a lawyer, especially right. if there's a dead body involved, because they will pin it on you. Just don't, don't take a, don't take a polygraph test. Talk to the lawyer. So, which leads us into our non-PSA thing. John, how about you tell us about Miss Bella? All righty. So, and I wanted to start out by saying that the 1940s era was like an, was like just a, the, the crime in the 1940s was just an outtake from movie reels. This story, I, I, the more I got into it, the more I realized that everybody involved was completely incompetent. From the investigators to the pathologists to the... Actually, I take that back. I want to walk that back. The pathologists won more awards in, in Britain than any other pathologist during that time. So he was the only one on the case that probably was taking it serious. There's got to be at least one. I mean, right, for every right. Mo, Larry, and Curly, there's 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 a chaplain in there somewhere. <laughs> it was just comedy on all fronts. <laughs> it was like the Three Stooges. You ever seen the the episode of the Three Stooges where they're in the house and they're trying to fix the plumbing? Oh yes, yes. You know, I I, I can't. I can see it in my head. But yes, it's been so long since I've seen that because I know like so they're in the upstairs room and then he hits him with a wrench. The water starts coming out <laughs> and then it starts flooding. And then that I, I can I can see it all happening. <laughs> it Which just seems like the analogy for what's going on here. It's just too many cooks. That's basically what I got from the whole situation. Too many cooks. You know, I think I think that it is. I think that. So the story, it's I think it's important to come out there. So this isn't just the 1940s. This is early 1940s. So this is World War II era. So it's not that it's just not enough cooks. It's that all the good cooks are off fighting a war. <laughs> That's a good point. So there, you have to figure that element in there as well. All right. Well, let's just paint a little picture here so 1943 april 1943 and we're in england and i just picture like foggy cloudy messy rainy i, I just you know the war sirens going going in the background yeah there's fucking no no germans 
And the, 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 the discovery of the body is what kind of paints the picture for me. What, what starts out the whole thing is you have four boys out in the woods and they're poaching rabbits and looking for this eggs. Straight up Stephen King. Stephen King stole this shit. He plagiarized the story. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. And but that's the difference, you know, stand by me, you know, that 1980s brotherhood, everybody's, you know, Jerry O'Connell's doing coke off strippers asses at 12. <laughs> but, you know, even if so, in, in that movie, we're, we're looking at the, you know, that era through, through the children in America you're just well, these aren't these aren't it. normal kids. These, right. these these kids are they're they're the descendants of World War One survivors, and they're going through their they're surviving World War Two. So they're you know they're 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 street kids. They're vagrants. They understand how to survive. Hell, they're poaching rabbits and stealing ravens' eggs from some rich fucks' land. I've never been so hungry that I've been out in the woods looking for eggs. Well, so um, so. Uh, to just spoiler alert, they find a body. Now, the the thing the one of the one of the one of the interesting things that I found in this story is the fact that it took place that they found the body in the woods. So, and before we get too far into the details, so there's um, woods in the UK. It's a very big deal. So deforestation's been a problem on that island forever. So they've. Uh, they back to like the industrial revolution. They chopped out a bunch of fucking wood so they can get coal out, so they can, you know, fucking sing the praises of capitalism. And then like they started having uh at least in this time frame, so there's World War One, World War II's in full swing, at least for them anyway. And so they need supplies. So woods a supply, timbers a supply. They also need to cut down a lot of that land so they can have farmland, so they can up their agriculture uh, output. So on top of illegally hunting, I think the conditions at the time, they may have set the boys up to be in even more trouble if they were caught. Like I know, uh, like nowadays, like, like when you drive through the UK, you see like these random plots of trees. And this is the little fun fact I found, you know, by very short time that I spent out there, but those were decommissioned runways from when the, when the war was over, they just planted trees over that shit. So it's, you know, woods are a big deal. So the fact that they're out rummaging around a lord's land, kind of a big deal. I guess, like, when I, you know, because I grew up in the royal south in America um, in the 1980s. Uh, we grew up on, it was about 14-acre plot of land. So I grew up in the woods. I grew up. My brother and me, you know, we, we made little tree forts and we were always out. We picked mushrooms. We, you know what I'm saying? Sipping alcohol, chasing girls. Like, I feel like the American pie era of America, my generation definitely got it. You know, it was yeah. the greatest time. I just couldn't imagine like this, this, Dirty, grimy, filthy, out in the woods, it's cold, it's snowy. Uh, 
And these these I imagine these kids are chimney sweeps too. Right. So <laughs> like they're out there trying to find Mary Poppins. <laughs> Just I remember growing up, you always hear something on the on the TV about mesothelioma. And it's like this is the generation where that that all originated from because there's no telling what they breathed in. Oh yeah, there's that de- there's definitely there's definitely some black lung going on in there. Like I don't know. I feel like I feel like I feel like a lot of the people on Mary Stateside anyway got 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 black lungs working in coal mines. These people were just breathing that shit in with with just some bombs dropping in the background with some fucking German tanks of Panzers just right. conveniently whizzing by just a few miles over the ridge. Fun fact, all right. So um while we're on the subject of just mesothelioma, so you know, silicosis and all that. During that that time when you know you had all those coal miners and all that stuff, they're breathing, breathing in a lot of silica dust. One of the treatments for that was they were having them inhale um, aluminum powder. And you remember the movie The Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, Tin that Man. was the original Tin Man. He had spent some time in the hospital. Because what it was is they were they would grease paint him and then hit him in the face with the aluminum powder dust and cover the paint with it. And he had breathed so much of it in, he ended up in the hospital. And well, they needed to sneeze, they needed that shit to come out sparkly. They, 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 so it's a whole thing. You know how much money, yeah. You know how much money they spent having a technicolor movie? It's the first one ever. Exactly. But uh the studio kept calling down to the hospital, they're like are you kidding me? He's he's in the hospital because of the treatment for this disease. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, aluminum powder is perfectly safe. We used pure aluminum powder. <laughs> so that's like five milligrams this morning. Shit. <laughs> terrible. If he's, got too, if he's got too much aluminum, just leech him. <laughs> And the thing is, is like the only thing worse than the 1940s was the 1840s when they really oh, had no idea. For sure. Do you dog? Oh, it's a witch. Oh, by the way, there's a witch tie in for this one, too. Oh, <laughs> um, behold, we are drawing conclusions. Evil can yeah, evil can make these leaps. So the. Um, oh, shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, while it's while it's on my mind here. So, yeah. So the 1800s were medicine was oh if it's a woman it's a witch so in this time frame not completely unrelated to the case um this i found this on the rabbit hole was going through british history so um uh there's a lady named helen duncan uh she uh i promise it'll be just a quick aside dude she was the last person charged under the uh, the 1735 Witch Act, Witchcraft Acts, and uh, she was charged for fraudulent witchcraft. <laughs> so she was a uh, she was a grifter who uh, she went around performing like seances, and um, she was known for finding air quotes ectoplasm, which turned out to be like egg whites and some shit. But uh, she got in trouble because she told a bunch of people that a battleship had sunk, and. Uh, I, I couldn't tell if she just had leaked information, like she fucked a sailor or something. I don't know. But um, the court went and like they like they went out of the way to like this woman's going to fucking jail. We're going to do this. 
And uh, she eventually got she eventually got convicted, and she did nine months hard time. And um, it was so fucking silly that Winston Churchill actually said something about it. So when he found out, he complained that it was a misuse of court court resources on the obsolete tomfoolery of the charge. So it's, if Winston Churchill tells you you're up to tomfoolery, like. Wartime leader Winston Churchill said, "Tom Fuller, you're a fucking dickhead, dude." <laughs> I, no, I, I I get derailed as soon as you said she was caught with fake witchcraft. It's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> so you're not a witch, but we're charging you anyway. That's, that's like <laughs> this is know. imitation witchcraft. I've ever seen it. Just and there, I'm actually going to be shitting on uh, our judicial systems in general throughout this. So, by the way, so all right hmm. so where were we at yeah so these boys find this dead chick in the woods well i shouldn't say dead chick they find skeletal remains well okay so i put a picture up on our facebook of a few of the different things that had to do with this case and one of those was the tree there is no way i would look at that tree and think eggs you know what i'm saying it's like thorny bushy it's just it's called a witch elm and i think witches when i see that tree absolutely like i just don't get it i don't i don't see how they see this scary tree in the wood and maybe i've seen too many horror movies yeah well i you know i'm looking at it right now let's pull it up on the screen i'm not sure if it'll hit there or not but uh, yeah, I mean that looks. I could see how a bird could go in there and plant a tree. It looks like a weird old nest. I'm just gonna while this is up, I'm just gonna scroll through these pages. We got her teeth right here. It's all jagged and shit. And then we have the infamous "Who Put Bella in the in the Witch Elm" screen right there. Oh, that's the 1940s Banksy right there. Nice. I think that's how I <laughs> so, described it. Now, I will say, I will say, I don't know anything about stealing eggs. So, uh, if, if, if these, you know, these kids are survivors, uh, they're not going to give up. So, I'm, I'm assuming that they know what the fuck they're doing. You know, like, I don't know what punishment was in 1940s England. I mean, do they, they like, do they publicly shame you? Like you, you get like put in a thing and they throw tomatoes at you? Because I mean, I, I don't just know. picture a, a a house full of like train hoppers, and at the end of the day, they all like, all oh, right, everybody in the family sits down in a circle around their bean pot and just <laughs> pulls out what what they found today. Like, oh, I found. Uh, I found a knapsack with uh, two sandwiches in. Oh well, I found this pie filling <laughs> on the on, on Miss Sullivan's windowsill. Oh well, this is a blackbird pie. <laughs> these eggs were in the witch elm. What else did one. you find, Timmy? Well, well, <laughs> there was a tooth in one of the eggs. <laughs> that oh, was terrible. so. I, I don't know if I would be more scared of the tree out in the middle of the woods because the tree to me looked like something you'd find in the front yard of the Adams family to begin with. You know, it looks like um, I've seen this several times where it's like 
and into like the middle of it and then the arm like the black blob that's like the arms are reaching out and it's just like eating things i've seen the video i don't know if it's an actual like i don't know but it looks intimidating it does if you were to tell me that was an alien like a picture of an alien i'd probably believe you if it didn't have the leaves and shit all around it well i mean just science in general when they were out there and they're naming plants they looked at that and they're like that's a witch elm yeah that's a witch i don't know what the fuck it's doing but that's what they, probably, dude, they probably didn't take samples of it for like tw- like two three decades <laughs> it looks like you know something that um you remember when you were a kid that the show the the cartoon the smurfs they had that what was his name that gangrel or what was his name with the cat the Az- azrael oh gar gargamel that's Gargamel-mean his name or something like that he was always trying to cook the smurfs yeah that looks like yeah. what he would have lived in <laughs> Dude, I wonder, like, how good Smurfs taste that that dude, like, had one. Oh, he you know had, what I mean? He had to have And then had he just spent one, the rest dude. of his life. Right. <laughs> like, you don't just you don't just take someone's word. Oh, yeah, the Smurfs, are, they're really yummy. And then you spend the rest of your life not eating them. Like, <laughs> He grew up there, in 1940s England poaching rabbits and uh, stealing stealing raven eggs so he had (laughs) (laughs) the cat catches mice but can't catch a fucking smurf (laughs) you think you get a new cat after a couple years (laughs) i digress here (laughs) you know okay so they find this they find the body they freak out because they shouldn't be in the woods right that was the first thing that came out of their mouths is okay we need to make a pact that we never speak about this ever again and they cut their hands and the shooken blood. I'm just that that didn't really happen though. That, that that's a cool element though. I I'm gonna choose try. to believe that happened. I always try to put myself in other people's shoes in these stories when I'm watching them or I'm reading about them. And I couldn't imagine growing up finding a body. You know, it's funny we mentioned Stand by Me earlier because that whole movie was based on them going to see the body. Yeah, but I couldn't imagine coming across, you know, and I guess when you think about the, the the skeleton phase, like finding a skull and some bones isn't nearly as frightening as finding like I couldn't imagine finding a body in that early stage, you know, like. So I think that there there are varying degrees to this, and I think that your environment plays a heavy role in this. Cause I know like I saw, I saw dead people in the street when I was a kid. Yeah. It just, you know, people owed to overdose. And that's, that was just the nature of where I lived at. You asked a question, you, you absorbed it and you moved on. Now I think, I think finding one as a fucking 14 year old, who's in full fledged puberty mode probably fucks you up. Right. Especially since it's a sky, especially you go in, you go in to grab, I like to imagine he reached in to grab an egg and then went straight to the nose. And then it's like, ew, uh, he got that shiver down his back. Like he just touched something that you shouldn't fucking touch. I mean, so what I read is um, he saw the, the white top and he's like, Oh man, we did it. We found the egg, you know, like we found, this is a big old egg. And he got a stick and he reaches down inside because 
From what I read, the opening in the tree was about the size of a hamster cage, which we'll get more into that later when we start talking about how she ended up in the tree to begin with. But here he is fishing around with a stick in there and he pushes it over and he starts to see the distinguishing characteristics of, you know, eye sockets. There's hair still stuck to the skull, um, different things like that. You know, when he realized, oh, my God, this is a skull. And as soon as he's seen those teeth, I'm sure like. Because you just pulled up a picture of it a minute ago, and it made me laugh all over again. Those front teeth on that skull, and that's, well, that's something else. She's, uh, you know, they, they are, the, the British are notorious for their teeth issues. They don't have dental care the way we have dental care. And I imagine that was only worse back in the day. So I will give, give Miss Bella some credit. Were they bad for her time? Probably not. <laughs> I are mean, they, that they, one is pretty much crisscrossed over? over the other one, though. And, and they yes. both, they were huge, <laughs> sticking out. I mean, that was how I, I was like, well, maybe the whole fact she was in the tree, she was probably trying to, you know, get one more to make her damn so she could stop the <laughs> <window. laughs> Make her damn. <laughs> Oh, that was that was that was a fun one. <laughs> so, oh yeah, man. But now you're talking talking about putting yourself in their in their shoes, man. I think I, I think it's important. Like, so what's your you're doing something illegal and you murder? I think murder outweighs everything else. Because I know that I've go ahead. I didn't articulate what I was saying earlier. Finding a fresh body as opposed to finding like a skeleton in the woods. If I see a skeleton in the woods, as opposed to if I see a fresh body, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I wonder if the perpetrator is still close by. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you find a still one. Yeah. Dude, did you just did you just become the second most unlucky person in that area? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you find a skeleton, you know, it's not quite as, it's still scary nonetheless. I think the number of skeletons changes it too. Like <laughs> if it's just one or if you roll up and there's, there's like four or five like skeletons that that's when my mind goes like, okay, this is, this is somebody's like place. Right. I need to fucking leave. <laughs> And there's like these are cell phones, you know what I mean? Like you can't just shoot off an email like, hey dude, in case I don't make it out. You know? That's like I was listening to the Ted Bundy tapes when he was finally the right before his execution, when he finally admitted that he did it, and uh he started telling him where all the bodies were and I think his favorite dumping ground was this mountain in Colorado, and he just like just body after body, the, the ones that they found, because when he got rid of somebody, he could really get rid of somebody. You know what I'm saying? It's very, it was a secluded area too. And, you know, I, I don't, Bundy in particular, I don't think Bundy gave a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I, I could see him just like, okay, well, I think this is far enough out. I don't need to dig a grave. When he didn't you know? have that ruse 
anymore, when he couldn't fool anybody anymore, and he finally had to like surrender to the fact, when he was finally defeated, I think maybe he started to care just a little bit. You know what I mean? Yo, shout out to Zach Efron for that movie. He by portrayed the way. that very well. He crushed it. And shout, yeah, did I I I I only knew Zach Efron from uh that movie he did with Seth Rogen. And then right. I knew he was in the some Disney high school movie. I, I don't I don't I never actually watched it. But I was like, okay, he's just he's he got he got blessed he's a good looking dude so he's gonna make his way into movies that dude dude's got some chops i mean he he really anyone listen to this he, there's the google and watch the movie it's it's a fun one especially if you're into the, the crime element of things so there's a lot of those guys that start out like that that end up you know what i mean um, i want to see so he's got a movie not to get too far he's got a movie called the iron claw coming out i'm not going to go see that in theaters but i will watch that movie just right just, yeah, just he he earned he earned my DVD rental or whatever the fuck uh, Amazon Prime rental or whatever. Um, go ahead though. I, I I'm sorry for getting too far off track there, man. Where were we? <laughs> we we're just talking about how these guys are like freaking out because they're out there being criminals and they found a bigger criminal. They didn't know what to do. Right, and so they make this pact, and they're like, "We're never going to speak about that again." And I'm wondering, you could almost set your watch to one of them cracking and telling their parents. Because I'm pretty sure they got home, they washed up, you know, they did their homework, they put their bike in the garage, they sat down to dinner and probably immediately was like, we found a body. <laughs> well, the only the only way that stays a secret is if the dude who found it just doesn't say shit about it. That is a secret. I'm taking it to my grave. Now there's a, um, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember where I heard this at, but somebody it was it was a cop. Somebody was taught. It was maybe it was a radio show. I was listening in the morning, but they were talking about like guy goes to talk to the cop, and the cop's like, "Okay, well, I want to tell you about my my perfect plan to get away with murder." So me and my partner, the cop, just goes, "No, no, right. me and my partner, someone's going to talk." That's yep. not the perfect plan. And so that, you know, that may have changed my opinion on who I can call to help bury a body. Right. So. You do, Derek, you got to do it alone because yeah. the only time anybody can keep a secret is if it's, you know, the other person's dead. Yep. <laughs> and then nowadays, who knows who they text? A little <laughs> Snapchat here, you know? <laughs> right. So. But I do, I do think that it's, it's so that's an interesting thought process, right? Like, I so the way I'm surviving is by going out and doing this illegal thing. If I go tell the cops that I found a body, I may not be able to survive the way I know how to survive. What do you do? Right. So like that's you know. That's a tough one. And especially you know, in modern day, it's like, you know, the guy who steals cars. Like, hey, well, what were you doing out here? Yeah, I'm not telling you what I was doing out here, but I do know that this is what I found. And then you go get a lawyer. Exactly. You don't say shit else. 
every time when you find a body, you're the first suspect. Yeah, that's just the way things are going to work. Now, well, in that particular situation, I know, you know, unfortunately, one of my guys a couple of years ago, when we were out doing pest control, like he went to a house, it was just, when knocking the door was full of flies. You know, I was like, dude, don't open that door. <laughs> right. You call, don't, don't touch anything else. You just call the cops and you wait. And Absolutely. so, I mean, you know, very rarely do you end up in a situation like that. And you are, it's very, you don't find a cop who's willing to blame you. It's just, it's just the nature of things. I mean, I saw this video online. This guy was cutting. He went to random places. And a lot of times it was abandoned houses. And he would cut the grass and stuff, clean up the yards. And he would do it so the neighborhood looked better. And he goes to this house and his wife comes out there. And then they both start smelling death. He's like, oh, it's probably a dog or something like that. And then she leaves. He's like, all right, well, I'll finish up by myself. He makes her leave. And he turns to the camera and he's like, okay, the windows on this house are open. He's like, I'm going to call the cops and see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Oh, dude, sure I, need enough, to, I need to find that video. Sure enough, they show up. They go in the house and there's a body inside and... You know, they're the like, how do you explain that? Okay, well, what are you doing out here? Uh, I uh, just showed up to this yard for no reason and cut this grass because it was out of control. Yeah, because I'm a good guy. And, right, right, uh, right. I was <laughs> cops have never met a good guy. You know what I mean? I <laughs> think it's just the, it's the nature of their job, really. But yeah, yeah, it's fun stuff. But anyways, so they find the body, they go tell, I don't know what they call cops over there or who was around because there's a lot of strange like annotations and names and shit. Like I, like, uh, I know they, I was looking up, sorry, go ahead. They, they load up and they go down there and they tell the police, all right, the boys were out poaching eggs and whatever. Okay. You know, let's get past that. And they found a skull in the tree. And the first thing out of the cops' mouths were, all right, well, we're going to come back tomorrow morning and we're going to go out there and look. Because in the 1940s, finding a body wasn't pressing. <laughs> well, a chain of evidence wasn't a big deal. Right? Either. I mean, they had to have flashlights and all that, right? No. No. Roping <laughs> off the scene, you know. It gives Probably. somebody the chance to go out there and dispose. Like, what if you, okay, you, you're out to your secret body hiding stashing spot and you see four kids running away looking like a, they saw a ghost. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to climb in that tree and I'm going to move that body. Some scooby doo shit to put. Man. Imagine that. You go back, like the kids take you back out there. It's four o'clock in the morning. It's dark. You got the whole the police department and everything with you. You've already told your parents and then the body's gone. Oh, yeah, uh, dude. Like the cop, the cop came out and saw like the finger. <laughs> oh, I see what's going on here. <laughs> The kids are Tom fooling around here. <laughs> oh, dude, so, I mean, let's I'd get see, back I to I the missed, fact you were out here poaching eggs. <laughs> I missed I missed that part where uh, where the cop didn't come back to the next day. I um I didn't so I, I didn't do the I didn't do the deep dive that I normally do with these topics. That that's I missed that level. So I appreciate you bringing that up, man. 
So we got we got fucking what's the British equivalent to Barney? Fuck it. What's going to go with? We got Barney out here who says, "Yep, that's a dead body. It's broke," and he just fucking leaves. <laughs> well, I mean, first thing is you know they wait till the next morning, you know, because they need daylight and proper coffee and donuts. Wait, 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 wait. Proper, wait, wait. proper tea and biscuit. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. You know, like <laughs> they, they're well, not going to yeah. go out there. They've had their cup of tea and their. <laughs> My man went out there in the middle of the night, took one look at the moonlight of that fucking tree and said, nope, not fucking doing it. <laughs> you know, a shift comes on in two hours. They have all the paperwork time they need. And just rolled out. <laughs> so, We're gonna have it directly is, after beans and toast in the morning. Yeah, it's, it's probably some old dude who couldn't fight in the war. <laughs> his, his bones hurt from being up too late. <laughs> like, I'm kind of on this guy's side now, man. I'm, I kind of agree. Fuck it. <laughs> Let the other guys well, deal. You with know, it. come to think of it, is they go out there and they 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 see the tree. They take a look at the opening. They, they're like, yep, there's a body in there. You know, well, well, I'm sorry, remains, because at this point in time, you know, it it, it was a skeleton inside yeah. of there. There was no remains left. And they they can't pull all the, the pieces out and get it out the way they need to do it. So they got to cut that tree down. So I kind of understand where they're coming from. You know what I mean? Needing full daylight to do what they got to do. They probably need a special permit. They got to. Uh, so, so this is so to kind of to get back to what I was mentioning earlier about woods being a precious resource over there. Um, this is the Haggerty or Haggerly Forest or Woods, and it's owned by the uh, aristocrats, the Littletons. So maybe they needed to go make a phone call, like, "Hey, man." Like I know this this is just a heads up. We're gonna be out there. You know what I mean? I don't know how that works. Like I, I mean, I imagine like if the if the Kennedys call you and say, "Hey, we maybe might have accidentally dropped a car with a woman in it in our backyard pond." You know? Do they do the cops just knock on the door, or do they they like, "Hey, man, we're gonna be there too." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that might have been the case here. You don't. I. I don't know. I mean, it, uh, the aristocratic system, fucking mind blown to me. Um. So I know why, right? I know when they chop the the tree down and they finally can get to it. Um. They find a full skeleton, minus one hand. <laughs> That was something that in all, I, I watched about four videos and I read, you know, so many articles. I even checked out in a, in a book that I had found and there, all of them illustrate the fact that one of the hands was not with the body. Yeah. So that was one of the things that I found to be pretty, pretty interesting. Be, not, not because the hand was somewhere else, but because there was one person who took that and crafted an entire witchcraft ritual. I know, right? It. Like it was like, well, it was it was left 13 paces to the left. 
the body and it's it's like I, I don't know it's like an unhanding moment the way i looked at it is you know i tried i try my mind to think of how things looked when they went down and it makes sense to me you know you have this tiny opening on the tree and they're putting which we'll get to them putting the body in the tree to begin with and how that is a feat that I'll never understand how, how it was accomplished. But, you know, if they put it in feet first and the hand is, you know what I mean? The hand would be the only thing sticking up out of the top to, to think that the animals got to it. And, you know, like that was what the animals dragged off. That doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me too much. Well, you know, I think, I think an interesting, um, uh, my mindset of not being in America, like they don't have like bears like we do, you know, like they have, they have small, they have like foxes and shit. You know what I mean? I imagine maybe exactly. some coyotes over there, but like, it's not like there's a pack of wolves roaming around. Well, even like, if so, gonna... it's up in the tree. The wolves aren't going to, the wolves aren't going to drag it out. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's the 1940s. Good Things point. Were back then. Things were different back then. <laughs> the kids are in there looking for eggs. God knows what the wolves are doing. <laughs> Everyone was doing their best for the war effort. You know, people, <laughs> this shit was weird. <laughs> so. but, you know, I, I will say, I will say, so I didn't know what a witch elm looked like until, until I got this. And I, my immediate thought was like a witch, like, like it's an oak. I had an oak tree in my mind. Like it's okay. That's that's a tree that's good for either witch rituals or like hanging witches. And this spur, looks like a sand spur almost. Exactly. Of a tree is fucking. It just it's just a nightmare. I never looked at that tree and would have thought, let's climb that. You know, like no, that's like that's like, get that's to like it. the tree that your mom sends you out back to get a fucking switch off of. Exactly. That's what um, I was thinking about. It's a cursed looking thing. So Barney and the gang, you know, <laughs> Barney goes to bed, takes his day daytime nap, and then the rest of the crew shows up to get check out the body. And so they find it and its hand sticking out. Well, the hand's missing, but the body's in there and it, it's it was a, it was like a two by three, like hole opening that the body could have been shoved in granted it's 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 a skeleton at this point it's a skeletal remains so i imagine the opening may have closed a little bit based on just the time it takes for things to grow through you know what i mean exactly then um i believe like some of the clothing had roots growing into it or something like that yeah um the so pathologist in a while that was something we talked about earlier is the pathologist on this case. And yeah. he was the only one with any sense. And he's, you know, he took a look at the bones. He took a look at um, everything that was going on with the discovery site. And he determined that it was about 18 months that that body had sat inside of that tree. In a roundabout. A year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which also helped with identifying around the time that this crime could have occurred. 
you know, it put it, it put them around the, the early 1941, probably. Sometime in October, maybe, in 1941 is what I read, is when this body found its way into the tree to begin with. One of the things that he noticed was that it was almost impossible for the crime to have occurred somewhere else and the person be transplanted there. Because that was the next thing that I was thinking about is, you know, you have a body who's starting to fall into rigor mortis, like there's no way you're going to shove that into a tree, into a tiny hole in a tree. Uh, you got, you got like, like six hours, you know what I mean? Before that body starts. Three and really, a half. Like, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not yeah. much, you know? Um, now I am, I am curious. I, I, I would like to know, well, actually I take it back. I don't actually want to know this, but it is a thought in my mind. I know that modern day we have criminal analysis or crime scene anal analyst. Uh, I can't, those too many words there who will study body decomposition in different elements. So like they'll, they'll have basically you donate your body to this university. They'll put you out back and they'll see what happens. Oh yeah. That way they, they, you know, it's like, I wonder what, I wonder what 1942-43 forensic sciences like horses is. You know what I mean? Is it is it like based on like what fucking grave robbers did a hundred years prior, <laughs> or like is it just common knowledge that like <laughs> Jimmy's been dead? <laughs> you know, I got like, like, my wonder... body to science research. When I die, yeah. they're gonna blow me up. <laughs> did you did you hear that story? <laughs> Dude, so I uh, so this uh, this guy suing. So his his mom died, and she wanted to have her brain studied. Well, she donated her body to have her brain studied. The people she donated the body to sold her body to like Raytheon or some shit, and they tested them. <laughs> they tested a missile on her. Right. <laughs> so I heard that story, and I was like, "Sign me up, man!" Six grand, dude. That's you know. It's enough to pay off a couple of bills for your wife or your kids, or you know what I mean. <laughs> I just I looked at it like it would be so. It would be one of those just really funny moments where you know everybody shows up to the hospital. It's my my final moments and all that. And as soon as my eyes close and I drift off into that great next wonder, they ship me off into space and just blow me up. The suits come in. My family are just sitting there like, what this, what's going on here? Like, oh, he's, pro he's property of the government now. And boom. It turns out, it turns out the secret of getting into heaven was nuclear <laughs> explosions. <laughs> you just up there with a bunch of like iguanas and shit and fucking Japanese people. <laughs> I just oh, wish that, that I could right. be there to see the looks on everybody's faces. They're all like sad and they're crying and their heart. Oh yeah, dude. Moves. Like your your one last wish is like, dear Jesus. Just blow me the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see my parents' face when I die. <laughs> as as this says the suits from whatever. PAE I'm going <laughs> to put in my final like my final wishes. I'm going to put in that they videotape them blowing me up with a missile and then that's played at my funeral over and over. <laughs> that's, 
it's part it's part of their advertisement. <laughs> Do you really want to fuck with your parents after your death? <laughs> Do you want six grand for your room? <laughs> Just imagine like Dan sitting there like trying his eye off with like a couple of like two dollar bills because <laughs> he got the six thousand dollar check. <laughs> Oh man! Another thing that I was reading about that the pathologist noticed was the shoes. Okay, so there was one blue shoe that was inside the tree with the body, and the matching shoe was outside the tree. Which I was thinking about that too. Like, you got these kids; they're out there, you know. Like, from what I read, this was like it wasn't unusual for people to come strolling through this area in the woods. How could a body be inside of that tree without, you know, the insects and the smell attracting attention? That was something that I, I couldn't get past. So there were, there were a couple, couple of things there. So the time, so 1943 is when the body was found, right? Right. So the war's going on. So a lot of, I think the, the general population's reduced, right? That doesn't exclude everybody. Obviously, people go, still going on walks and stuff like that, right? But the general population's been reduced. Right. Both from just general, general war activities. But then seasonally. A lot of rain. You know what I mean? A lot of rain, yeah. a lot of nasty days. If this is the winter time frame too, where it's it's a fairly mild winter, you know, I could see it. I I can see it. Obviously, it got missed. You know, I can see. I can see it. I can see it. You know, people not going there in that time frame. You know what I mean? Air sirens going off. You don't want to be out there at night. You don't want to be out there too early in the morning. You don't want to be an easy target. Good point. It's just you know yeah. to find the shoe outside of the tree in the same area like you know the other one is inside just it just it seemed hard for me to understand how like but i i guess you know in the woods until somebody finds something it goes undisturbed you know yeah I mean? it's just where where it is now I, so i do i do know so I'm I'm not sure if you know this about me or not, but I like to go out every once in a while and clean up trash around the parks in my area and then along the street that I live on. And one of the things that I noticed very early on when doing this is people don't notice how much trash there is in the area that you live in. We're trash blind. Right. So this is, you know, obviously this is pre like, this is pre really, this is before, before consumerism really picked up, right? But this is also post-industrial revolution. Are people just used to seeing shit that they don't even notice it? You know, <laughs> not not everyone's not everyone's like, oh shit, that's where there's a shoe there. You know, maybe there's maybe there's a body, you know? I just think, you know, hey, there's a shoe there. Fuck. I mean, how how many times have you seen a bike on the side of the road? A bike? Yeah, just you ever seen a bike on the side of the road? I live in Raleigh, like that's not going to be on the side of the road very long. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. But like, <laughs> bike on the side of the road. Okay, did somebody leave that there? Maybe did somebody get brutally kidnapped? 
Could be. Good There's point. that possibility. You know what I mean? But you're like, oh, you call the cops. Hey, man, I see a bike on the side of the road. <laughs> no. You know, uh, you know, you know it's, it's, it's just, it's a thing. I know. It, right. It, when that thought first kicked in my mind, it really fucked me up. It was, it was over in Garner, North Carolina. There was a bike beside a coldest. I'm like, oh, man. Dude, I've been watching. That's when I knew I needed to stop listening to true crime. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's one of those things. But yeah, I mean, it, that, you know, unless, unless, you know, you walk by, you see the, the, the decaying arm sticking out. I yeah. don't think, you know, I don't think anyone thinks anything of it. <laughs> All right. So, where are we at? I'm sorry to fuck you up, dude. I'm so sorry. No, no, that's a good. Look, that was a good analogy. The bike on the side of the road, like, yeah, you're good. Good point, man. Like, this, the shoe is outside the tree. Like, you see a shoe, it's a shoe. Like, yeah. It sat there for that long, like it just. I guess, like I, I just couldn't get past it in my mind, you know. Like, I know one of the the worst smells that you could possibly ever smell is decomp, and I just that that's something that I couldn't get past is how nobody could smell that body. You know what I'm saying? Because I know, yeah, that's the big thing right there. You can get, oh my God, it can, it's, it's like it, that smell goes quite a ways. You know what I mean? I'm going to look up on my phone real quick where exactly this body was found. See if they have a map somewhere we can pull up. I know one thing I'm looking at the time and I, I feel like this is going to turn into a two-parter. <laughs> it might, <laughs> it might, it's, it's, we got to late start and everything. So Bella gets found. Well, she's not Bella yet. So the body gets found. Cops do the investigation. They find the hand. They find the shoe. They find the clothes. The pathologist comes in. He starts doing all his pathology science shit. And he determines that she's like roughly 35 years old. Is that correct? On the 30, on, on this. Okay. So it was between 25 and 40, but it was on the 35 side. Okay. More than it's on the 25 side, I think is what he determined. Okay. Something so to do with like, and another thing is he noticed that she had had a child. That was something else that I remember reading was, uh, I guess there's something that happens with the hips after childbirth that, you know, that I don't even want to get into it because I'm no expert on women's anatomy. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, girl science just scares me. So I'm going to take your word and I'm going to trust that that guy wasn't just a complete sexist asshole. And he's like, yeah, bitch had kids. She got hips so. for boy. <laughs> <laughs> she had hips for days. <laughs> My thing is, is, like, when they found the skull, that's probably where they got caught up the longest. Just like, look at those teeth. <laughs> There's no there's way no. that any dentist in the world, there's somebody's gonna come forward because there's no way they worked on that mouth. Cause that was something he noticed was with the um there was evidence that one of the teeth had been removed through a dental practice. So I think that I, if I recall correctly, they didn't release all of the information about the teeth to the public because they want to save some of it. I don't remember what exactly happened. But from what I recall, they say, and this is this is this is based off a morbid episode I listened to where they talked about how they only released the bottom teeth 
versus the top teeth, even though the top teeth were clearly that's said again, I didn't fact check any of that shit. I'll be like, these girls know what the fuck they're talking about. I'm going with it. Um, so I believe that may have been a thing. And I think the reason that they did that is because there were teeth missing on the back end. Now, the tooth that was missing up front is one of the the only theory that I can come up with that I didn't see anywhere else. And I don't know why. Evil Tooth Fairy. Oh, my God. That bitch wasn't brushing her teeth right. It makes, it makes perfect sense. See, you know, this is the English version of the Tooth Fairy. This is, this, you know, the Tooth the Fairy brain. there uh, <laughs> has hairy arms and... Hairy armpits. A couple, couple extra bowls that shouldn't be somewhere, you know. Right. Serves you sloppy Joes instead. You don't get $5. <laughs> well, sir, they're Joe Sibs over there. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't get $5. You get, you get, a, you get a pint. <laughs> you're old enough to lose teeth. You're old enough to drink over there. I know one of the things that they found was the, uh, the piece of cloth inside of the mouth, which... Everywhere that I read, they they all like wanted to uh, bring attention to the fact that it was, it was a piece of what was it taffeta taffeta I can't even say that word, which was a. I really felt like they just wanted to look fancy, naming off the fabric. You know what I mean? Because I don't. Yeah, feel like the it, was, it was. Fabric like, had anything to do with it? Like the word plethora. Exactly. It's like you didn't you didn't need to say that shit. You could have just said there's a lot of them. You know. But I guess when you have the title like I, I'm assuming that this pathologist is like the Sir General Master Pathologist of Worcestershire. Because they had like tight they were real big on titles over there. And if you yeah. have a title like that, you gotta use fucking smart words. I guess That's maybe they thought that if they illustrated it was a fact piece of to feta or whatever that somebody would come through like oh that's a that's a silky fabric somebody special must have had that you know like it was probably it was probably just a handkerchief you know it was probably soft on the nose because back then people carry around handkerchiefs they washed themselves i know my granddad did so they tried they tried using like the uh the atlanta serial killer tactic tried to match the fibers without the fibers Exactly. Because the shoes, the shoes, because you mentioned the shoes earlier. Now, the shoes was an important element of the story because they only made like 400 pairs of shoes. And they tried to narrow that down. They're like, hey, they were sold this store, this store, this store, and this store in this particular size and this particular date range. So, I mean, they really, the pathologist, you know, the guy, do whoever, team, whatever, doing the investigation, like they, they, did do it they did do a job it's not like they fucked it up from start to finish they had a body this is you know dr uh, webster was his name shout out to webster he was he was because he found six months of wear on the shoe and that all helped factor in him determining the time of death and i thought that was neat you know what i'm saying and that's that's it's a big deal man um trying to find, I mean, there's a lot of effort, like, I, especially, especially when you hear as many stories as we hear of cops, like completely fucking up a crime scene and completely fucking up an investigation. Like look at Delphi. I mean, they just shit the bed on that entirely. 
There was a video. Okay. They have his voice recorded, and they still. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, and these guys are over here. Like, okay, well, we got a we got a half of the fingernail. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I'm, if you told me that, if you told me that in 1942 that those cops and those forensic experts didn't know what like bacteria were, I'd fucking believe you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where their science is, but it's definitely not where we're at today. I know so that one of one of the things here. that kept coming up was the fact that the person that was in the tree was probably someone who was foreign because of the fact that nobody came forward because he did such a good job of pinpointing the time frame on when this person would have went missing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they... Uh... Go ahead. Nobody ever came forward to say, oh, well, this was my Lubella from, you know, because they pinpointed it to have been around 1941 when this person would have probably been put in that tree. And nobody came forward to say that they were missing a loved one from that time. And the only thing I could think of was that it's somebody that was Im immigrated into the area. You know... The fact that she was a mother, at least you know, had at least given birth, right? Kind of, kind of throw things through a loop, right? Like, you know, I understand pregnancy was a lot riskier back then than it is nowadays. Who's to say the child lived that long? But That's a good point. You know, thinking that there's potentially a child out there who's missing a mom, somebody, you know what I mean? Like, because there is that possibility. But her being a migrant in the time of World War II is a possibility. There's also the possibility that she was like a single child. Her parents passed away. Her husband's all fighting a war. Yeah, especially you know during I mean? this time and the area that it's in. I mean, that is a good point. So many people went missing during that time. It's 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 just it could be anything because I know when they floated around the idea of her being, um, I guess the words vagrant, um, right? You know, somebody who travels along doesn't you know maybe doesn't have a house, travels couch surfs that type situation. There's that possibility, and then you know, could have been a hooker. <laughs> yeah, there's always that possibility. Like I mean, it's a, it's an unfortunate like danger of that job. You know, right. Every once in a while, you get that serial killer. It's like fucking terrible, terrible Russian roulette. But, you know, with more pimps. So. <laughs> I know that they, they wasted no time trying to get out the, the pictures and everything into the paper. You know, the, the Jolly Wonkers daily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It hit the news spread across the chimney sweep network like that. Absolutely. It took four days to reach the next town. <laughs> and uh, like you were saying that they released only the, the bottom mandible, which really upsets me because there's no way that anybody would have seen that top row of teeth and not knew exactly who that was. Yeah, especially especially if if the dentist was in that area. You know, like that's that's one of those things that uh, you got a snaggle tooth like that, you got a snaggle tooth like that. It's just the way it's just the way your life is. And uh, you know, there weren't any signs. I think there was like, there was like, I, I, if if I recall correctly, there were signs of a potential cavity, 
but you know, a potential Catholic. Yeah, I mean, your your enamel's wearing out. You're fucking thirty five. That shit happens. You know, one like one like her teeth were falling out of her mouth. It's just the fact that she was missing a tooth like that was fucking weird. Yeah. So, and then we so, fell into radio silence at that point. Nothing. You know, all the yeah. excitement kind of died down. And then 1945 rolls around, and that's the beginning of the graffiti. <laughs> so the graffiti, that's that's another element that I wanted to talk about. So somebody writes, who put Bella in the witch elm on a pretty prominent, like, what, what ob obsolus or something like obsolus. that? I don't remember. Yeah. Now, in... The reading that I did and in the, the other podcasts, YouTubes that I listened to on this, the graffiti is something that almost gets completely glossed over. And that that bothers me. So I, I love graffiti. I absolutely love it. Um, it's In particular, I enjoy tagging things. And there, there was a long, long stretch where you could find some version of my name on signs and buildings all across the East coast. It's something that I did It's the only thing that I've ever been arrested for. <laughs> now for you kids listening at home. Yes, it is cool as fuck, but having a record can have long-term impacts on your life. So unless your name is Banksy, it's probably not worth it. But this, this is such, it's such an important element of the story because street art, by its nature, is expressing some type of pain felt within a community. You think about, like, recently, we, George, the George Floyd murals that popped up all over the place. In the past, like, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite Sublime songs, uh, April 29th, 1992, the Rodney King song, the lyrics go, um, it's about coming up and staying on top and screaming 187 on a motherfucking cop. Yeah, it's not in the paper. It's on the wall. National Guard smoke from all around. Yep. So even Bradley's in there writing about how like the news isn't going to talk about how we're being treated in the streets. Exactly. You're just going to see it on the walls. And well, I lived in Durham during that time. Um, it was right before COVID when the nation was just all in an uproar about everything that was happening and um everybody had put uh plywood up over the windows in durham and they were letting the the the, the local street artists come and paint murals on the plywood instead of you know vandalism they were putting the plywood over the windows and everything to keep, you know, from the riots damaging their property. And then they were having the local street artists come and paint murals on there and voicing their opinions. And it was just amazing. It was some of the, the coolest things I'd ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Durham, Durham, Durham's a street. It, it is there. It is a street smart city. I will say that about Durham. Now this, um, I think, I think, I think the coverage of this case says a lot about people's lack of understanding or appreciation 
for graffiti art or the act of writing something on the wall. Now, I'm, I, this is this is purely reckless speculation, but obviously some of the locals were having an issue with this, right? So the, some of the teenagers were struggling with this. But I, I'm just kind of I'm gonna go out on a limb right now and say I, I don't think some of the locals were too keen on the fact that this body was found on the Lord's Manor, like where the, the you know the aristocrats lived. You know, the war's going on, and a lot of these rich fucks, like, they got a pass on the fighting. And in general, you know, I know that British British aristocrats, like, like many of the American ruling class, sometimes get away with murder. Exactly. So if, you know, if I'm, if I'm a, if I were a scrappy teenager, survived World War II Britain, you know, I, I personally, you know, I'd be inclined to think that one of those rich fucks did something. And I could see, I could, I could see myself going out in the middle of the night, writing something on the walls. Exactly. Especially, especially, especially a big white fuck you. You know what I mean? Whoop a bell in the. I could see that. I could see that happening a hundred percent. In all these major cases, because even um, Jack the Ripper, there was graffiti involved with that one. That was yeah. <sighs> He he wrote he wrote what did he write he wrote uh from hell. he wrote something horrible on the walls that we're not gonna yeah repeat, he, he did some, <laughs> some weird some weird stuff and then you know I I know that there was there was another I I tried I tried looking it up before the show but I I can't remember or find it I kept getting smiley face references but the um there was a there was a serial there was a killing I don't know if there's a serial killer or not. But after the the person had died, somebody went and wrote on a barn wall a message across it. So, like, I mean, this type of thing isn't new. But I also don't, you know, this isn't like the killer was doing this. This is something that the people were doing. And I, I think that that's, that's the, there's a big difference in how you look at that message. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like BTK's, you know, hey, I'm fucking killing everybody. You know? I remember uh, right after Tupac died, that guy painted on the walls, you live by the gun, you die by the gun. And it was a giant mural of Tupac. And I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking like, wow, that is so, it's such, a, it's taking a biblical quote and turning it into, you know, street art. And it's so amazing what you can do with graffiti. You can. The message you um, can there is a, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to screw this up. And this is, this is either, I want to, I want to say it's Hunter S. Thompson. But he said, Graffiti is beautiful, almost like hitting a cop in the face with a brick. Oh, that's only so. he can say something like that. <laughs> that also might have been a Kurt Cobain Nirvana lyric. <laughs> Maybe the two were combined. Kurt was one of those weird dudes. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, yeah, man, that stuff's you know you think about that, and then and then I'll fucking shout out to the the despite the, the miles morales into the spider-verse shows man they've, they've done a great job highlighting artwork and graffiti and stuff like that um so i do want to talk about the the guilty side of this right so 
Bella, so they have all these weird, wild theories that are floating around. The war ends. It kind of loses its steam. Now we got this graffiti that's going on. And then somebody writes a letter to the paper saying that they, it was kind of cryptic, right? Do you have the letter by any chance? Let's see here. I had it pulled up a minute ago. Because this is this is one of those rare situations where it's like somebody somebody comes out of the woodworks and it makes sense. So when the letter was first sent to the papers, it was only signed as Anna, and it had let's see. Let me let me Google it real quick. <laughs> Anna had suggested that Bella was a was Dutch and part of a spy ring operating in the area. Straight up McCarthyism. Right. I'm trying to find the actual letter. Oh, I did find it. Yeah, you know, I don't know anything about the Dutch. Oh people. boy, I can't I even know. read this writing. <laughs> oh well. Anyways, long story short, Anna tells him, "Hey, I know who did it." Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice for a second. She, Anna's like, "I know who did it. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Fuck you, bitches. You don't need to worry about it." And then the newspaper and the cops were like, "Yo, let's run a story real quick." And they're like, "Hey, Anna." We want to talk to you. How about you come talk to us? And it's like, yo, what up? I'm here. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> that isn't how it went down. <laughs> That's basically, basically how it went down. the letter said that the person that was involved, it had nothing to do with witchcraft. It had nothing to do with um with dark arts. That the person who committed the crime was beyond the jurisdiction of this world and that now um now they're with or from the other they're with the on the other side you know what i'm saying basically exactly what i just said <laughs> you nailed it high level paraphrasing my friend and when they read that they just the first thing they thought was like well we gotta get this anna in here what a weirdo fucking thing to write in Beyond the judgment of this realm, like and it's totally not witchcraft, by the way. But it's not the judgment of this realm. That's a fuck. That's exactly what a fuck. I'm glad that we steered away from all that witchcraft stuff because yeah, if you want to research it and you want to find out about it, like there's so many different articles on. Uh, there was even one I found where there was another um a body found kind of close to where this happened, where a guy was pitchforked to the ground. <laughs> oh shit! We have to bring that up. Yeah, this guy, uh, <laughs> this, this fucking guy, <laughs> dude. Somebody they wanted him dead, dead. They hit him with one of them sides, man. Like the one those, like they hit him. They left it in his neck. In his neck. They, a, they took a pitchfork and shoved it in his chest and left him on the ground, dude. They killed him like he was a fucking vampire. Like he was. That like, was way super more dead. Back, back up, dude. They're like, oh shit. <laughs> They just like, I, dude, I saw it. 
That's what that's they try to say about, about you know Bella and the witch elm is they they were trying to say that the hand was severed and it was like basically what I read was because crops come from the earth that we must return to the earth and that's why they had to sever the hand and bury it back in the ground for the the summer harvest or something like that. I was just like, dude, put that shit in your pipe and smoke it, man. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's fuck. It's fucking crazy, man. Yeah, that that whole like witch scare thing. And you guys can go back and listen to the, the show I just did the last week's show, anyway, about King James. Like, like the dude, like the reason people think that way and like think it's cool to like just fucking kill witches and shit is because this guy wrote a. He, he thought some witches caused a storm to kill his wife. <laughs> like. And then, boom, witch trials are legal. That's how you get the 1700 show. It's funny going, how, like, every one of our witches go back to witches. Like, you know, witches. like, witches all, all of our episodes, man. even the, the, the George Washington was a was a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we're, we're one good bombing away from believing the witches again. <laughs> That's I what sucks, it. man. We're gonna we're gonna get there's gonna be an explosion, the climate's gonna keep changing, and then everyone's gonna be like, it's gotta be witches. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, so uh, they managed to track Anna down because uh I forgot how exactly they figured out they deduced who she was and they got her to reach back out and they wanted to know, like, okay, you gotta tell us more. You have to, we have to know exactly who you're talking about and what's going on with this. Let's put a, let's put a pin in this. Let's, let's end this whole thing. So she finally comes in and she said that she was married to a man who was not the greatest man. And that one night he had went out drinking with his buddies and they had picked up this Dutch girl and at some point in time, they were they were riding back, and she passed out in the back seat of the car, and because she was, you know, they were all drunk, they were drinking, they were at the bar, and they thought, well, wouldn't this be funny if we just, you know, put her inside of the tree, and she woke up in there, and suddenly she's going to change her evil ways? Well, it's the only way to teach a woman a lesson: leave her in the woods, <laughs> side of a tree. Right, right. <laughs> and supposedly... It's not like they could read. <laughs> supposedly, this man's name was Jack, I believe it was. He goes back the next day to check and see, you know, if she made it out, or if she was okay, you know, whatever, whatever. And she was still in that tree. <laughs> that is a doorknob. You know. And after that... He's, the the woman said that her husband started having nightmares every night that this woman would be calling to him from inside the tree and then she would climb out and point at him. And I was like, it's like the fucking ring climbing out of a TV. Exactly. That was exactly what I thought. I was like, man, I wonder if that movie got the idea from that. Fucking Edgar Allan Poe shit, man. Is that, that's like fucking weird, dude. The telltale heart, and, yeah. And they're fucking looking for raven eggs and you find a skull. Like 
Uh, you can't. You think you'll fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> Every which way, you know. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so supposedly this drove the man insane. And that's what the lady meant. Why? Like he was he, he was he was in the nut house. He was crazy. He was it drove him mad. And he was well, beyond was... the jurisdiction of this world anymore. So. What? The reason that this is, to me, the most credible explanation for this is because there are... Because he, he died before before she came forward. He died. Yep. So there are records of him being in the loony bin. There are records of him saying he's had these nightmares of this woman in the tree. And yep. that That's a thing. That's a thing that happened. And you can't... You know, it's not like... It's not like, you know... Because anytime there's any type... like. People have this weird fucking thing where they just they want to be part of a crime or some shit. Like they admit to doing stuff. And you see, you see it all the time. You see it all the fucking time. But in this case, I really believe it. I really I do too. think I. I it's just because even the graffiti artist, when they finally caught him, I think it was in 1985. Don't quote me on that, but. I, well, there's no telling. It was the same guy. It was either 85 or 95. They actually caught up the person that was doing the graffiti, and they were like, they cleared him of having anything to do with it. It was just somebody who uh, was caught up by the same intrigue that we all are when we read about this woman they found in the tree. You know what I'm saying? It was such a. <laughs> so I know, I know, that, like people see something cool. And there, if, if you if you are if you are somebody who's into into writing on walls and you don't know what you're doing, if you see something cool, you will go imitate that. Like there is a, um, I, I think it's EPR. Mm -hmm. I think, but they're they're an they're an extremist like environmental animal rights organization. They're not they're not PETA in that they just you know they think you should marry animals or some shit, right? They're they just you know they don't believe in fucking weird shit they're like vegans on crack <laughs> and you can go see epr written in a lot of different places whatever the, the tag is right but that's just because people saw that it looks it looks cool as fuck so people go they go imitate it they try it out you know what i mean so so i don't believe they caught the person who was i believe they caught a person who was writing who put bella in the because it's funny you know um Another so, thing is, is, you know, everybody is probably thinking, well, with all the, the work that's come forward with DNA and the times, why can't they just run a family analysis DNA search on, on the remains and then we could solve this mystery once and for all? And by that, I tell you, so the skeleton that was studied you know, they lost it. They lost, lost that motherfucker. Hardcore. Fumbled the no one ball. knows where it is. All that good work tracking down fucking shoelaces and shit, and they lost the goddamn skull. <laughs> it's just gone. <laughs> See, when dude, you look up the, uh, when you look Potter up the castle. story, there's a photo that a lady had. She had reconstructed the face, and usually she has a skull to work with and she builds onto the skull and makes a recreation. I, I believe um, 
who was she? There was another famous person that she re recreated the face of. She's a world class. Like Absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I don't remember her name. I don't, I don't have. I don't have. But with this one, she now. had to use the picture of the skull because. <laughs> I yeah, she had to use the picture of a skull in all of the negative biases that she had for people who have crooked teeth like that. Because the universe all into one. <laughs> had done the research, had lost the skull. And I was just like, you know, they didn't lose it. It's probably like the 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 top piece. It's probably the angel or the tree somewhere in one of their many universities on England. Yeah. Yeah, some weird like it's it's the skull that's in Cambridge University's or Oxford University. It's like <laughs> it's on the ants in their A and P class. It's a speakeasy, <laughs> like the people who if you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's uh they have a lot of weird pubs over there. Like that. You know, know which y'all man, man, that's her right there. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> There's seven people in an entire town who know that joke and they pass it down to their kids every year. Well, Jimmy, if you lost your second tooth, <laughs> have a beer. Now, one of the things that I, I picked up on was, like, why didn't this woman, we, we, we talked about it pre-show, why didn't this woman come forward and say anything? And she, according to her, from, from what I can gather, she she got kind of lost when the, when the, when the news broke because there were so many different weird theories that were out there, but it wasn't until like she started putting the pieces together. It took her a while to figure it out. Now I think there's also an element of, um, 1930 something, 1940 something, you know, this is before women really joined the workforce. So divorcing somebody was a big deal back then. So, Family secret probably needed to stay a family secret back then. Exactly. And then now there's I'm actually I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug a show on Apple TV. It's called uh, Blackbird. It's about a uh, so it's got it's got the guy so the gentleman who played uh, Richard Jewell in the Atlanta bombing and that the Olympic bombing he's. He plays serial killer, alleged serial killer, Larry Hall. And then in that, he's it's it's a it's a it's a it's a great it's very well acted. The um guy who's in the Kingsman's in the movie. Great fucking show. They have great chemistry, great film. And his Larry Hall's brother doesn't want to see him as a serial killer. So he ignores everything that's in there, everything that he's doing because it's oh, his wow. brother. He doesn't want to see it. You know what I mean? Even though all of these signs are there, he's never seen him kill anybody. He's just a weirdo. He's, <laughs> you know, he got picked on. He's strange. Right. Um, so her, maybe she didn't want to see her husband as somebody who actually killed somebody. Maybe he was just kind yeah. of off, you know? I, there's so many times that people, um, when they're recounting, it's like they'll, they're for, they'll, the first thing they say is, all oh, the signs were there. But I just ignored it because nobody wants to look at their significant other and be like, oh, man, that person was a monster. 
it took uh we talked about uh Ted Bundy earlier and the what was his his wife's name? Anne? Was it Annie? Something like that. Yeah. I, she, I don't know. Uh, she was on his main defense line until he finally came out and said, Yeah, I did it. You know what I mean? Like and finally then she, you know, stopped charging that flag and realized like, oh man, I was with the monster and that's the whole point of these people is, you know, they can be charismatic. Not everybody is all the way bad. Like there's yeah. some good in everyone. Where they're, where everything is gray. As it much doesn't as you say like anything about you if right you brought out the human and in the monster, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah. and you know, talk about all the signs were there, you know, if you don't know, you're looking at a problem. You don't. You're not going to know. Those. Those are. Those are. You know. Factors in the in the equation. You know what I mean? Like I mean, like I'm fucking. I'm a quirky fucking dude, man. I make. I. I'll make. I'll throw in jokes that people don't ever. People will never understand. And I'll just sit here and laugh to myself. And uh, you know, obscure references that come out of my mouth. And if you don't, if you don't know that you're looking at it, you're not going to know it's there. So. Yeah, it's it's that's that's a tough situation to be in to think in your husband it's a fucking murderer, but he's also you know going crazy saying is she and shit all fucking night. You know what I mean? Like how do you how do you square that? You know. So shout out to that lady for actually coming forward because she could have just kept on living her life. Exactly. You know, another thing is because he had already passed, maybe she didn't want to bring. Because like, I've always been raised, you don't speak about the dead. You know. Yeah. There's that possibility too. Maybe she just yeah. wanted to let that rest, but one thing there, is for certain is we never did figure out who Bella was and yeah, still still Mr. Just Day, you know. Uh she's been lost a couple of times and that fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> that fucking sucks, man. So rest in peace, Bella. Right. It's like Floyd, he's never gonna make it out of that cave. <laughs> yeah well it's one of the things in life man well john i certainly appreciate the work you did tonight this was a and, uh, was a page turner that's for sure and significantly less depressing than the fucking israel keys yeah right take Thanks care man. listening like and share send everything tell we, we need to hear back from you Love you guys. Bye.